a purpose for us. And I don't know what your experience with church might be, whether you're a kid, teen, young adult, adult, watching online. Maybe you came when you were younger because your parents made you. Maybe you're here today because your parents made you. And maybe you love church and you can't get enough of it. You love gathering with uh, other followers of Jesus, learning to follow Jesus. Maybe you love the programs. Maybe you love the people. You're just not sure about all the other stuff. Regardless of what your experience with church is, church meaning the gathering of God's people and the scattering of God's people. So those who are followers of Jesus and those who are seeking and discovering Jesus, we are the church. And when we gather, there's some important things that happen. So I know we've done some games already today, but in order to help us understand and get into the scripture today, we're going to do one more game. And I need uh, at least, they need to be at least eight years old and up. I'd like a couple adults too. I need one volunteer from each of the sections. Okay, just come on up. You need to be able to talk and answer answers. So you need to be able to answer. Come on up. Don't worry about raising your hands or anything like that. You come up. I need one volunteer from each section. Want to come on up? Okay. Oh, Ryan's good. I heard that. That's excellent. Yeah, I I heard that Ryan's nominated. That's excellent. We need someone from over. Yeah, come on up. So, come on up. Line up in order of your sections here so you can come over here. I'm going to give you each this. Don't touch it yet. Okay, it's a little party blower. What we're going to do is a little bit of a family feud type thing. So what I want you to do, first of all, is just say your name and then pass the mic on to the next person. Oh, we'll try that again. We'll get the mic on. We good? My name is Salam Oit. You can call me Salam. Yeah, Ryan. Clara. Olivia. Olivia, excellent. So what you guys are going to need to do, we're only doing one question, okay? And when I say the question, if you have an answer... Okay? You need to reach down, grab the blower, and blow it. The first person to blow gets to start answering. And you get three strikes or you're out. And if you don't know an answer, you can ask your section, and they have 10 seconds to shout out answers, and you can pick one. So there's only one question, but there's seven answers, and we're trying to guess answers to this question. So there's all sorts of kind of answers, and we're looking for some specific ones. And whoever blows their thing first will go. If they get three strikes, then we'll move on to the next team and the next team and the next team. And we'll see if we can answer the answer to this one. Okay, you guys ready? You guys ready? Okay, listen to the question. And then when you've got an answer, grab the blower and blow it. And that'll be the first person. Here it is. According to Paul, what are some of the top, some of the top elements of a healthy church? According to Paul, what are some of the top elements of a healthy church? What makes a healthy church? A good church, a great church. Grab it and blow it if you can... Guess an answer. Okay, very good. All right. So that is, I thought they made noise. Apparently, they don't make noise. So Salem gets to go first. So what is one of the top elements of a healthy church, Salem? Love. Love. Do we have love up there? And I gave uh, Amos the, uh, he can, very broad. Is love uh, love up there? (laughs) Nope. We're looking at what Paul says from a specific passage, but if I give you the passage, you're going to cheat. So, what does Paul say are the elements of a healthy church from a specific passage you don't know? Keep guessing. You get two more guesses. So, love isn't in this passage, but love is very important. 
having fellow, fellowship. Fellowship to... Okay, so fellowship. Being, being together, fellowship. Anything like fellowship in there? Hey, a counseling one. That's very good. good. Okay, another, another try, another answer. Praying for each other. Praying for each other. Let's see. We've got thankful prayer. Very good. Okay, keep going. You, you, two, two more strikes before the other teams get, to, get a chance. And if she's really, really on the ball, you guys don't even get a chance to answer. But here, while she's thinking. Supporting each other. Oh, supporting each other. Okay, supporting. I don't think so. <laughs> not, no, not. So that's two strikes. You got one, one more try. One more try. And while she's thinking, what's on the line is after church, we have a time, as she said, fellowship. to Get to know one another. That's why we got name tags so you can cheat to find out people's names. We're going to have snacks and things. Whoever wins, whatever table that person's at, they go first. Okay. So one more, one more try. Three, two, one. Be thankful. <laughs> thankful. Okay, thankful. Well, we've... Thankful worship, that'll work. Okay, keep going. We're going we're to do a quick time method. Five seconds to guess. Five, four. Bearing, bearing uh, burdens of each other. Bearing the burdens of each other. Is that up there? I don't think so. Okay, on to Ryan. Okay, so we have four more answers in the passage that you don't know to guess what Paul says are the top elements of a healthy church. Um, I want to say community. Community. Does Paul talk about community in there? Nope. These are all good answers, and that's why we're getting them, but we're, fo we're focusing down today. Another try. And you can ask your section if you want. Section, do you have any answers for them? Leadership. Leadership. Hey, that's good enough. Teaching, leadership, good job. Okay, another try. You, you've got one, one X, you've got two left. Uh, truth. Truth. Is truth up there? Nope. Another chance. These are all good, good answers. They just happen to not be in this passage. Okay. Evangelism. Yep. In there. Words and actions that look like Jesus. Okay. One more try. Let's see. The gospel message. The gospel message. Oh my goodness. He's nailing it. We got one more answer to see. Three, Any ideas? <laughs> two, one. Good food. Good food? <laughs> no? Okay. On we go. Team number three. Got any answers? Team three. Shout them out. We got one more to guess. Serving and accountability. Serving and accountability. That's a great answer that you came up with. There. No? Okay. Try again. Try again. What answers do we got? Sharing. Sharing. Do we have sharing? Nope. Okay. What's another answer? Uh, faith. Faith? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's keep trying. Okay. What do we got, Olivia? Singing. Singing? We already have singing up there, so technically it's right, but no. Gathering. Gathering together. Oh, we got only one more try. What do we got, people? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. No. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Just before we reveal the answer, those are all part of a healthy church. It's just in this passage, Paul didn't write it, a whole book on this. 
He wrote just these two passages specifically. What's answer number six? Representatives of Jesus. Give these people a big hand. Thanks so much. And wherever Ryan sits, wherever Ryan sits, that table gets to go first. All right. So today we are beginning looking at uh, This is Church, What Makes a Great Church. And we're going to look specifically, yeah, if you, want, if you want your little thing, you go ahead. Um, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3. And, and the background of this is this particular section. Paul begins by saying, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because life, sometimes when we look at what's going on around us, it gets a little dark and we can lose faith. So keep our eyes on Jesus. And then he goes on to say that before Christ... We lived a certain way. We, we were caught in sin, and we lived in sinful ways. We did bad things. But after Jesus, we're transformed. We're new, and we begin to live in new ways. And over the next five weeks, we're going to look at the rest of chapter 3 between those verses and the one that we look at today, the two we look at today, the very conclusion of this section in chapter 16 and 17, because Paul is describing what a healthy church is and why we do some of the things we're doing. So we're not going to look at an exhaustive list of all the possible things we do, but we're going to look at the main key things and why, why it matters. So let's look at Colossians 3. If you've got your physical Bibles or your apps, you can turn to the Bible app and you can flip there. Colossians 3, 16. Let's read this together, okay? Ready? Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So the first thing we find here is that the mark of a healthy church is that it's full of the word of God and full of the gospel. That the people who are there and what you do are central on Jesus, his message of hope and salvation and God's word. They treat it seriously and we take it in and it makes us full. All right? So, it's something a little bit like this. Don't worry. As I put these on, I am not asking for volunteers. All right? So, relax. It's a little something like this. See, the gospel is something full. God's word is full. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it's, it's applicable in all, all places. And so, it works a little bit like this, this foam here. All right, so this foam is a bit like the gospel and a bit like the church because wherever it goes, it's going to fill it up, okay? So we can spray a bit in here, can spray a bit, keep spraying, keep spraying, keep spraying. And what happens is when we are with each other, and we get full of God's word and the gospel. It will eventually spread and fill every crack of our lives. Jesus isn't interested in just some of us, right? Little parts of us. Like, I'm going to give God this part or that part. I don't really care. I'm just going to do a little bit. What he wants is that regularly we're being filled with his word, with the gospel of Christ. And you can't really see it as well there. But this stuff is continuing to expand, and it'll keep expanding and keep expanding and keep expanding till it pours out of this bag. So I'm just going to keep this here, and we're going to check and see uh, the quality of this particular brand. 
<laughs> and see if it will continue to expand throughout the service. It doesn't look like it will that well, so I can't recommend this brand. But what the gospel of Christ Jesus does, and we're going to get to this in a few minutes, and why it's important, is because when we gather together, it's supposed to fill us. So how do we get full? Now, I'm not talking about being full of the Spirit, okay? That's a different thing. And particularly in this sermon series, we're not speaking specifically, particularly about your quiet times and your personal practices, because those are of utmost importance to your spiritual journey. Whether you're a kid, a teen, a young adult, an adult, spending time with Jesus on your own is important to your journey. But there's something to gathering together, and there are people who believe that we can just do it on our own. I can just follow Jesus on my own. I don't need anyone else. That's all I need. That's not in the biblical narrative. Nowhere in the New Testament do we find Paul or any other saying, just do it on your own. What's meant to happen is that we will teach, counsel, and sing together. Let's look at that, that word teach. So when you hear teach, you might think of what I'm doing right now. Or you might think of uh, Jake downstairs teaching or Gina on a on a Wednesday night, or someone else, maybe a small group leader is teaching, maybe you're watching a teaching video, and you take in information, okay? And if that's all that Paul means, that's, that's really weak. Because teaching isn't just about sitting in rows, watching a screen, listening to someone talk, or even reading something and taking it in. The specific word that Paul is using here has to do with practicing, so imagine for me, uh, you're learning math, and some of you kids who are just going into school, if those of you who are getting like grade one Bibles, you're going to encounter math in a new way if you've done some adding and subtracting, it's going to change. And if all you do is look at the whiteboard, the blackboard, the screen, and your teacher says, here's how to do it, and then gives you a page and expects you to do it perfectly, you're in for some trouble. Maybe you're good with math for a while, but eventually in math, most people hit kind of a a wall where they can't do it without help. What Paul is talking about is like a teacher sharing that with you and then sitting down beside you showing it how, how it's done. A better way to think of this is like building in carpentry, right? So if you're learning to build something and learning to use tools, you apprentice and you watch alongside someone who knows what they're doing and eventually as you watch, they let you do as they watch and then you do it. Well, they stand back. They're helping. They're guiding. You're practicing. It's practical. Paul is not saying you need a lot of preaching. Preaching's important. Paul is saying if you are going to be full of the Word of God, if it's going to fill every crack of your life and get rid of all the old sinful things, and that you learn a new way to live in Jesus, you need to be teaching how alongside. But listen to what he says. He says teaching one another. He doesn't say show up to church and the pastor's going to teach you everything. He says teach one another. So as we learn in services, as we go to small groups, as we go to youth, as we go to kids ministry, we have opportunity together to practically help one another do all the stuff we need to learn, that new stuff. Learning to pray, forgive, relate to one another, be generous, be forgiving hands-on practice, and we practice together so we know how to do it outside. What matters in here matters outside. That's why we do seminars and teaching things the way we do. And we've got one coming up starting October 3rd. I think every teen, young adult, and adult should take this course. 
We've done it once before. We'll keep doing it again. It's called the Emotionally Healthy Relationships Course. It is not a dating or marriage course. It is learning to relate to other people in a new, Christ-centered, transformed way. Because our patterns and habits that we've picked up from our families and the world around us are broken. And most of the problems I've experienced in church that I've dealt with personally or helped others through are because people don't know how to relate to one another. And we get in conflict and have problems and it's a mess. And this course helps us learn Christ-centered ways to relate with one another and it transforms our quiet times with him as well. So there's my plug. What we do is we have some teaching. We watch videos and then we guess, practice. We practice new skills together. It's wonderful and you will learn some new things. What's the next thing that Paul says? He says we counsel one another. What does that mean? Well, it's the same kind of idea as counseling. So when you go to a counselor or a therapist, it's so that someone outside of what's going on can listen to you, see some blind spots, hear what's going on, and suggest how to deal with the root problem so that you transform and change this bad thing or this problem that you're dealing with. Guess what we don't often have in church? Counseling one another. Because what do we want to do, right? We want to come in and smile. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. We watch people make train wrecks of their life, make bad decisions. We stand back because we want to be nice and we don't want to do what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Speak truth in love. Not harp on people, not bash people, but love one another to get beneath the surface and share the deep parts of our life and say, hey, what do you think of this? Am I, on the, uh, am I on the right course here? Am I doing the right thing? Like, help me be who Jesus has called me to be. Help me see the things I can't see in myself. Help me fix or at least get on the right track or at least show me where I need to go. That's what we do with one another. Now, the Holy Spirit does that absolutely, but he works oftentimes as he speaks through other people into our lives. We need to go past the surface and as long as we're just a friendly church who's great at greeting, and we are, and we shake hands, and we welcome new people, and it's wonderful, and it feels really good here. If that's all we are, we're going to miss what's coming next. So teach, counsel, and worship. Now, worship isn't just singing. Absolutely, but singing is a big part of it. And Paul says you need to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's not like making categories. When we hear that, we think, well, like modern songs and instrumental stuff and hymns. The point of what he's saying, according to the language that he's using, is that we are to use all kinds of music. Why? Because we're emotional beings, and we need to be moved emotionally. It's not that we chase emotions. It's not that we chase an experience. One of the terms we don't use here at Country Hills is we want you to have a good worship experience. We don't gather so we have a good worship experience. We want to together share our hearts and open our hearts to the Lord. You ever been in a service where it's dead? Lots of times. All of us have. Okay? It just feels ugh, and like the singing's not good and just where's God's presence? We can be tempted to think it's the people on the stage. But guess what? It's all of us together. If we're not willing to open our hearts to God, to meet with him, it doesn't matter if the music's good, if you disagree with it, if you don't like the style, if it's not your favorite thing, it's God. So we make a conscious choice to sing, worship, engage, and when you do, others do. You be the spark. Why is that important? 
Because we go about our lives most of the week without connecting with others about Jesus a lot of the time. And we come into a place with a bunch of people and you can watch online and and gather together and know that you're part of something better and have your eyes and heart lifted up like the beginning of this section of Colossians 3 says. So you can go out encouraged and know that the truth that you're singing and speaking from your heart, it's it runs a course in your mind throughout the rest of the week and it'll come back to you and come back to you. Right? And you just, you fill yourself with that. One of the guys setting up chairs this morning was walking around listening to worship music on his phone. It was awesome. While he's setting up and I often hear him doing that as he's walking around or walking in the neighborhood. Fill your heart with worship but come together to worship. Why are those things important? What's the result of being a church together who cares enough about one another that we teach one another, we practice with one another? What's so important about counseling, getting beneath the surface and inviting others to speak into our lives and speaking into others' lives? Not because we're better than them, not because we're teaching them what to do, but because we care and we deeply love. What's the big deal about worship? Why does it matter? Can't we just like ignore it? I don't like worship, I don't like singing, I don't need to gather with anyone else. I don't need to participate online, I don't need any of this. Why is it important? Verse 17, read it with me. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through God the Father. Okay? So this is now filled up the little cracks in the bottom, and it's starting to spill over the top. If you don't know this stuff, it sticks to things. It's hard to get off. I did not want it to overflow everywhere. But that's what this is about. Paul is saying you get filled so it overflows. What's the overflow of teaching, counseling, and worshiping one another? The overflow is that it looks like this. That whatever we do, whether it's word or action, whether it's what we live or what we speak, we do it as representatives of Jesus and we live in such a way outside our gatherings. doesn't matter if it's two or three, a small group, gathered for a Bible study, accountability group, youth, whatever it is, a service, when we're serving in the community, it doesn't matter what we're doing. When we gather, these things are meant to impact us so that when we're scattered, when we're outside, we do it as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when people look at our lives, how we interact online, how we act, how we are at work, how we're at school, how we interact with our neighbors, how we deal with conflict and all that other stuff outside, they think... There's something different. Why? Because there is. Because we're being filled. And we've got others in our lives who are teaching us, helping us to practice. We've got others who are counseling us. And we're worshiping together and we're reminded week after week after week that what I'm going through here isn't all there is. And I lift my eyes to Jesus because he knows something deeper. Uh, If you grew up in the 90s, you might recognize this, uh, this picture of Like Mike. Um, so show up and show, uh, show up. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm skipping a part. Yeah, right here. Who's this guy? Michael Jordan. Who knows Michael Jordan? Okay? Some of kids do, some of you don't. Okay? Michael Jordan is considered one of the greatest basketball players ever. His heyday, his prime was like 30 years ago. And at that time, he had this commercial and this campaign with Gatorade, Be Like Mike, okay? Be Like Mike. And they kind of were saying, if you drink Gatorade, 
you'll be able to play basketball just like Mike. Actually, they made a movie about it and all sorts of stuff. I played basketball with my youth group friends all the time. That's like what I did in high school. I'm not a good basketball player, but that's what we did. I drank Gatorade. I can't play like Mike. It doesn't work that way. You need practice and talent. But when we become filled with God's word, and we become full of the fullness of the riches of the gospel, which pushes into the deep places of our heart, pushes out those old patterns of living and believing and being, we become full and it flows out of our life in a way that we represent Jesus well. We are like Christ. So what am I encouraging you to do? We can go back to that show up and show up slide. I want you to show up and show up. What on earth do I mean by that? What I mean is show up, first of all. Come often. This isn't about numbers and, boy, I want to build a big church and if we've got good attendance stuff, boy, I'm going to feel good. Our staff's going to feel good. We need each other. So connect with people, whether it's digitally or physically. Show up often. You can't just come to some sort of church gathering once in a while. You're not a part of the church family and and really grow deeply. Show up often. And when you do, second, show up. There is a difference between passively watching what's going on and actively participating. There's a difference between sitting beside someone and being friendly and being nice and developing relationship that you can go, go deeper with them and open up your life. Our mission at Country Hills is people helping people follow Jesus. That is simply a rephrasing of the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. It's a summary of what we're finding here in Colossians 3. Our journey with Jesus is not personal only. It has to do with others around us. God has given us the gift of His Holy Spirit and His Son in our lives, but He's given us the gift of the church. This is how church is supposed to work. We're supposed to come together. We're supposed to challenge one another. We're supposed to practice how to follow Jesus. And we're supposed to go out and sometimes get it wrong and sometimes get it right and come back into a community who can support us. And we worship and we're encouraged. And there is this welcoming and sending regularly so that we're coming into a place we feel like we belong to become more like Jesus. This is church. This is people helping people follow Jesus. And I encourage you to show up and show up. So what are some practical things I can encourage you to do today? Okay, Sunday service is a great start. If you're not coming regularly, start to come regularly. If you're coming regularly and you're not talking to other people or interacting with others or getting to be a part of the church family, begin that in some way, shape, or form. Okay, get your kids in family ministry. Okay, if you've got kids, send them. Sign them up. Get them there. Sunday mornings, we begin next week for up to grade six during service. Okay, youth begins this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Get them involved. Why? Because you want your kids developing relationships they'll have for the rest of their life. Hopefully, with others who are on a journey with them. Because when things get difficult at home and at school and they're questioning and doubting their faith, they need people around them. And they also need adults who are their spiritual fathers and grandmothers and all this in a church family. Get your kids in family ministry. Young adults, fall stuff, monthly stuff starts next Sunday. Young adults, get there. Connect. It's a new kind of group. We're just starting things up. We really want you to have people you can depend on. Adults, join a small group. 
The best advice I can give you is join a small group. I cannot overstate how important small groups are. Small groups are the place where we uh, become family to one another, where we do life. That's the primary place that care happens. When things happen in your life, if you're in a small group, you instantly have a community around you that's small enough to deal with the care instantly. Our small group's purpose are to do that life-on-life discipling to become more like Jesus because we belong to one another and we have our people. We have our people. It's good to be a part of Country Hills Church, but if you're just one person in Country Hills Church, you don't know anyone else and you don't have your people, you're missing out on what church actually is. We love being a big group, but we are also small groups. So find a small group. We've got five of them and two other unique ones. Almost all of them have open spaces and we hope to start some more. Some of them apply and talk about and discuss what we talk about Sunday mornings. Others do other things. There's different rhythms. Some meet every other week. Some do some monthly things as families and incorporate kids. There's all sorts of different things. The important thing is you're doing more with others than just sitting and listening. Because teaching isn't just listening. What's the point of all this? We need to teach and counsel one another. We need kids to teach and counsel adults. We need adults to teach and counsel teens. We need it all. We need to teach and counsel one another. We need opportunities to worship together. Man, it lifts our spirit. What a great morning. It's so encouraging. And the things we speak can sit in our heart and our lives for the rest of the week. Show up. And show up because God wants to fill you so that you overflow. (laughs) How many hours a week do you spend at church stuff? Somebody shoot, shoot me an average. How many hours a week do you generally spend with others gathering in your church family? Estimate. Somebody throw out a number. Three hours a week. Okay. So for some people, it would be three hours a week. I think that's on the high side for some, average for others, and on the low side for some. But let's take three. Is that a lot of time in your week? No, is that a lot of time to develop deep relationships? Well, you can if you use them right. But if you're not spending any time, you're missing out. This family, this church is meant to do something in your lives when we're together so your life out there matters for Jesus. So that you make a difference and so that your transformed life here as you're practicing stuff matters. And the final thing that Paul says in verse 17 is interesting. Because he says this, giving thanks through him to God the Father. These are the elements of a healthy church. It's about being, um, being people in a church that's full of the gospel, full of God's word. It's about teaching and counseling one another. It's about worshiping together with thankful hearts. So that our words and actions are actual representatives good of Jesus Christ. We represent this church and Jesus very well, and we're bringing people to the Lord all the time by how we live and what we say. And Paul says at the end of verse 17, this is something to thank God about, to have thankful prayer. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to get all uncomfortable, okay? You can thank me later, all right? We're going to spend some time in thankful prayer. Here's what I want you to do in a moment, okay? If it's awkward, if it's quiet, that's okay. I want us to try doing one sentence, popcorn prayers of thanks. What that looks like is this. Thanks God for this church. Thanks God for kids in school starting this week. Help them to live for you. Thanks God so much.
for small groups. I pray that they do uh, well this year in getting one another alive. Simple prayers. This isn't a time to show off. This isn't a time to wait for the others who are more, you think, spiritual. Everyone can try. Kids, teens, young adults, adults. All of you can try a one-sentence prayer of thanks. And so what I want us to do is to get into groups of about 10 or 12 and then take some time to go around quickly, share your names. Okay, someone's going to have to be a leader. Share your names and then leave some open space. We'll just take a couple minutes to have some popcorn prayers of thanks. Why? Because we're teaching and counseling one another. But I came to church and I didn't expect this is really uncomfortable. And How could the pastor do this? Because it matters. Because this is what church is. Church is not this. Church is not this. Right? This is a part of church. But church is when we get in one another's lives. So get in groups of 10 or 12. Share your names. Have some popcorn prayers of thanks. Just simple one sentence prayers. Kids, you can do it too. You do it way better than adults anyway. And then I'll close in prayer. And we're going to close the whole uh, service in worship. And at home, gather with those of you who are in the room, popcorn prayer.